Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is June the 22nd, and our chapter reading for today is the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. What an incredible book, the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of those characters that few who even read the Bible through know very much about. The book of Ezekiel, I believe, is one of the most difficult thematically to study. It is the most difficult from the standpoint of biblical prophecy. While he is crystal clear in what he says, and we can read these things over and over again, but many times it is still an enigma when we get to trying to pin down and interpret what Ezekiel says. Now, I'm not talking about passages that are very clear like Ezekiel 37, 38, 39 that we're all familiar with, and tomorrow we will deal with Ezekiel 37. But I just want to introduce the book to you. This will be a very brief podcast because we will deal with Ezekiel 37 tomorrow, which is more lengthy. And I know that the podcast yesterday was lengthy, but what I want to do is just introduce to you Ezekiel. Now, first of all, his times. Ezekiel comes on the scene in the second phase of the Judean captivity. Remember, as I told you before, these were critical days in the life of Israel. God was doing exactly what he said he was going to do, and that is he was going to chastise Israel and spew them out of the land that he'd given them. He did not take the land away from them. God's not finished with Israel yet. Israel is back in the land in the day in which we're living, which I believe since the resurrection of Jesus in the first century, the rebirth of Israel is the greatest miracle in the last 2,000 years. It is incredible that God brought everything together at a time that was absolutely perfect in world history, as he always does, and a nation was created in a day according to biblical prophecy. But Ezekiel followed in the line of Daniel, and just so you'll know how meticulously God planned this, Nebuchadnezzar took away in 605 the blue bloods. He took away Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Those were the four that were named, but there were many, all of the elite, all of the educated, all of those in the line of the king, all of them were taken in 605. Then in 597, it was the second phase, and Ezekiel was taken in that. And then during the third phase, we read about Jeremiah and his escape to Egypt. Now, all I'm telling you is that God has people everywhere at any time in history. There is a voice. In the palace, there was Daniel and his three friends. Not only was Daniel in the palace, 
but his three friends were out there in those particular provinces doing what King Nebuchadnezzar himself had assigned them to do, and they were there just when they needed to be when the furnace was hot. Now, often I'm asked, why was Daniel not out there on the plains of Dura with his three friends? Well, all you have to do is read the book of Daniel, and you'll see Daniel was in the palace. He was in charge. He was the prime minister. Nebuchadnezzar was the figurehead, but it was Daniel who ran the country, who ran all of these 120 provinces that were out there. It was an amazing, amazing feat that Daniel did and his three friends. So in relation to the king and the palace, Daniel was the spokesperson for God. But that's not the only people that mattered to God, because God had Ezekiel out with the common people. They were in the Mesopotamia Valley on a man-made canal called the River Kibar by a place called Tel Aviv or Tel Aviv, and they were there hearing the words of God through the prophet Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was not only a prophet, he was a priest. He was of the priestly line, and we see this over and over again in the Word of God where there is this dual role. For instance, Ezra was also a priest, but he was also a scribe. He was a teacher of the Word of God. The Bible says specifically that Ezra set his heart to seek the Lord, to study the Word of God, to study Torah, and to obey it, and then to teach it to others. And so Ezekiel was God's man out with the common people. He had a wife. He was himself an illustration. That is, Ezekiel, the man, not only his message, but the man himself, he was the message himself, and God used him as an illustration, as a living illustration of the words and the testimonies that the people need to hear. And then Jeremiah, what about the people that were left back in Jerusalem who were the offscouring, the rejects, the ones that even Nebuchadnezzar didn't take back to Babylon? They were the discards of culture. And that was Ezekiel and the people of Anathoth that I talked about in a couple of earlier podcasts. And so Daniel was in the palace and his three friends representing God to the elite, educated, and ruling class in the palace of Babylon. Then you had Ezekiel out among the common people. And then you had Jeremiah back in Jerusalem with the rejects. You see, God always covers his bases because he is God. And it's interesting, as you read through the book of Ezekiel, there are several things that over and over again, refrains that you see and hear. For instance, you have appearing over 65 times, you have this phrase, that they shall know that I am the Lord. Now that phrase appears over and over again. Now why does that appear? so that we will all get it. Remember, repetition is the mother of learning. And God wants to remind not only the people during the days of Ezekiel, but all of us who are living in this present day, that God does what he does to let everyone know that he is God. We are the created beings. He is the creator. And he is the one that is guiding history. You see, all of history is his story. And one of the reasons why the church of Jesus is 
powerless, it seems, in our generation, and the faith is not being passed on, is we are not telling the great story of God. We're not telling the great historical events and weaving them together and connecting the dots. No, we're too interested in being relevant. We're too interested in being politically correct. We're too interested in making sure that we don't offend our children or we don't offend the person that's next door. And we have become so non-offensive to the world that we've become offensive to God. You see, you're going to offend somebody. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be liked by some and hated by some. I made up my mind a long time ago that if I was going to offend someone, I didn't want to offend God. And if I was going to have people that were against me, I wanted to be the crew that was against God because somebody's not going to like you. And as a matter of fact, the Bible warns against everybody liking you. Here is what the Lord said. Beware when all men speak well of you. Jesus, the perfect son of God, Jesus, the perfect son of God, who never thought anything, said anything, did anything that he shouldn't have. He always thought what he should have thought just when he should have thought it, said what he should have said just when he should have said it in the way that he should have said it and always did what he should have done and they hated him and put him on a cross. Don't give me this idea and please don't say to me, well, if you had just said that different, if you had just done that different, maybe you did the right thing the wrong way. Well, you can say that about me, but don't say that about the Lord Jesus and don't say that about other people that you know nothing about. You can talk about me all you want to, but I want to tell you the Lord Jesus was absolutely perfect and they put him on a cross. And if you and I follow him, we are no greater than our Lord if they despised him they'll despise us. And the more like Jesus we are, the more that the world that is anti-God will hate us. Because you see, people have believed the lie so long that now they despise anybody that tells the truth. This is the way it's always been. It's just in high gear right now. So that's one phrase that I want you to remember, that they will know, they know, they shall know, they will know that I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. Then the other phrase, the son of man, which is the phrase that Ezekiel gave as his own moniker, as what he would refer to himself as the son of man. Why? He was representative of the human race. That's why Jesus picked this up. He was representative of Adam's race. Yes, in the sense that he was fully man, but he came as the second Adam to show what obedience to the Father truly is, that a man can be born and can live as Jesus did, be faithful to God. You see, you and I are born with propensities and inclinations towards sin. Jesus did not have a sin nature. He was the representative of of the second Adam. Adam was not created with a sin nature. No, he willfully chose to sin. He was not deceived. Eve really was deceived. She really thought she was doing the right thing. Adam knew full well that he was sinning against God. He was choosing his wife over God. He was choosing the creation over God, and he did it anyway. Jesus came, and unlike Adam, 
who was in a pristine environment where there had never been sin, where no one around him had ever known sin. No one was a sinner, and yet he fell. Jesus came into a world that was cursed, corrupt, and everyone around him, including his mother, was a sinner. All of his brothers, sinner. All of his disciples, sinners. Everyone was a sinner but him and the accursed world in which he came. But Jesus came into a cursed world, not a pristine world like Adam, but unlike Adam, he lived in complete obedience to his father because he said, the reason that I have come is to do the bidding of the father and I do nothing of myself but exactly what I see the father do. And Jesus took that name, that title as the Son of Man. Why? Because he wanted to identify with those that he came to redeem. This is why he was baptized. Baptism is a symbol of identification. And people often say to me, why was Jesus baptized? He was baptized to identify himself, not just with his coming death, burial, and resurrection, No, he came to identify with the message of John the Baptist. He came to identify with the race and the message and everything that John was preaching. And so indeed, that's what he did. And so that's why he was baptized, to identify with the message of John the Baptist. And John didn't even want to baptize him, but Jesus said, you must. All to say, Ezekiel took on that to show that he was identifying with the human race and he was identifying with the race of the Jewish people that were now in exile. But he also knew that one day and prophesied that they would come back into the land. And we'll talk about that tomorrow as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.